Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's Flyers Daily for Friday, July 15th. Now, two days beyond the start of NHL free agency. And uh, the Flyers make a couple of signings. Nick Delarier, Justin Braun returns as well. But it's more probably in this episode about what they didn't acquire or who they didn't sign that obviously is more of the talking point. And we're talking about, obviously, Johnny Gaudreau. Chuck Fletcher did say in his media availability that they were not in on Johnny Gaudreau. Didn't have the cap space for that. That's not the position that they were in. Um, Many Flyer fans go, well, why weren't you in position to do that? Why couldn't you move James Van Riemsdyk's contract to put yourself in position for what is a unique, unique opportunity in pro sports? Uh, We've talked about high-end talent. We've talked about acquiring high-end talent. Chuck Fletcher and the Flyers brass has said the best way to get high-end talents to draft and develop it, which is true, but it is a rarity in pro sports to be able to go onto the open market and acquire high-end talent and high-end talent that wants to play for your team, uh, especially coming off the last two seasons where the Flyers have been. And that seemingly was the case for Johnny Gaudreau, that he wanted to come here, uh, but the money just didn't work out because the Flyers couldn't shed the requisite amount of money to do so. Now, the price to shed salary, in particular, James Van Riemsdyk's contract, the $7 million contract, uh, became very expensive. From pretty trustworthy reporting from several guys, the price became a 2023 first-round pick. I would not have done that. I would not have traded my 2023 first-round pick in that draft to shave off one year for James Van Riemsdyk. And, you know, I've, I'm been very on the record on this podcast and other places, social media and my Stick to Hockey Live show, that I'd be very careful in signing a 29-year-old free agent that was going to cost max term, seven years in this case, and high dollar. He ended up getting $9.8 million, so say it was 9.5. I I would be very careful about that because it's a 29-year-old winger. Now, this podcast, you know, I'm just coming off the cuff here. I'm not going to, I'm not pre-planning to talk about anything. I'm just speaking as a stream of consciousness here today. I don't, I tend not to plan a lot to begin with, and I like to have a conversation and not sit here and go through talking points. But in this podcast, it's very stream of consciousness. And look, I got as somebody that was guarded against that, even I got caught up in the notion of Johnny Gaudreau playing for the Flyers. Because, I mean, first of all, it's a good story. He's a very good player. He's a talented player. And I got caught up in that fact of, hey, I'd like to watch Johnny Gaudreau play every night. And not because he's a local guy, but because he's a really good hockey player. And could he have helped some of the younger players take steps forward? I believe so. You know, guys like Owen Tippett, maybe guys like Morgan Frost. And, you know, his presence would have been exciting. Would it have been the right thing? I don't know. I don't know that. We won't know that for years, for the most part, when you're talking about a seven-year contract for a 29-year-old player. But I got caught up in that. So naturally, like a lot of the fans, disappointment fell over me when the Flyers didn't sign him. And presumably weren't in the mix for him because they weren't able to clear that cap space or maybe they weren't in the mix period 
And there is a disappointment in that because that is a rarity to have a local guy become a free agent that's a really successful player and want to come home and play. You don't see it all the time in sports. We had this assumption that Mike Trout was going to do that with the Phillies. He's a great, great baseball player, but he chose to stay in Anaheim. So you don't see that happen very often. And it seemed like the stars were aligned for that to happen here. Only that, to clear the cap space, you needed to give up a 2023 first-round pick, which to me is over the line, especially when you look at the pedigree of what the 2023 NHL entry draft is supposed to be. To me, that was an over-the-line price that you have to have a tipping point for everything. If it was the 2024 first-round pick and it was Florida's pick, I could maybe make the case and I could go there. A, because I have another first-round pick in that draft. B, because if it's Florida's pick, it's probably 25 to 32 in the draft. So it's not like it's a a, you know, a top 10 pick or something like that. So there are elements there, and I and there has to be a line, a tipping point to everything where I'm willing to go there but not go fully there. And one thing that Chuck Fletcher mentioned that I had not considered was, you know, we had this notion that, well, just use Ryan Ellis's LTIR money and use that to go over the cap, and then when you put him on LTR, you can go, because you can go over the cap 10%, when you put in one LTIR, you can get back below it. But what if Ryan Ellis is healthy and Ryan Ellis is not a candidate to go on LTIR? We just have this assumption that he's not going to be. I am. I don't know that he's not going to be. I, that's our, our presumption, and maybe that will be the case. But what if he is healthy and he can go at the beginning of the season? Then you don't have that money. But again, you can look at it and go, well, why would you sign Tony D'Angelo? That was more of an insurance policy, and you could look at the D'Angelo $5 million cap hit and go, okay, you could have used that money. So these are all scenarios and, and elements of this disappointment when it comes to not being able to acquire a player like Johnny Gaudreau that are going through the fan base's mind. And I understand your disappointment. I understand the anger about it because it is a rarity. But again, you know, I was very cautious about it and one of the guys that I thought of when thinking about the acquisition of Gaudreau was a guy like John Tavares, very good player, went home to play in Toronto and was a big splash. It hasn't really worked out for Toronto. They still haven't won a playoff series, and they allocated a lot of money to him, and he was basically the same age. He was 28, going on 29. He was going to turn 29 in September of his first year in Toronto. Gaudreau's going to turn 29 in on August 13th, going to his first year of next season. So, like, the ages match up, the money kind of matches up, and it was a player going home, and the romantic story of that, but it hasn't really worked out for Toronto. Would it have worked out for the Flyers? I don't know. Again, Bill and I have talked about this, Bill Meltzer and I, that, you know, if you have a house that's got a leaking foundation and shoddy plumbing and the walls are falling down, do you go out and you buy a sports car to put in the driveway? That's how we've kind of equated Johnny Gaudreau. So whether it's the right thing or not, I don't know. But again, I got caught up in the excitement of a player like Gaudreau as well. Now they bring in Nick Delarier, and I, I can see the role for Nick Delarier 
it's a little redundant with Zach McEwen, um, and it's a four-year deal, which Chuck Fletcher said there was a competitive market for him, a 31-year-old guy that can kill some penalties and obviously bring a physical, I guess the word is uh, accountability on the ice for the opposition. And then they bring back Justin Braun. But all in all, it's it's been a tough day for Flyer fans. And when you look at it, and I'm going to read this DM that I got from Anthony Giampaolo. I didn't even tell Anthony that I was going to read this, but I'm going to read this because I got this yesterday. And he said, hey, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's pod. You've always been a transparent but logical fan. He said, I understand Tony D'Angelo, given the uncertainty of Ellis, and we weren't in position to sign another top four right-handed D like Klingberg or trade for Brent Burns like Carolina did too soon to think of the following year, but I do fear the chances to re-sign Sanheim. Nothing wrong with letting the kids play. He said, I trust Torts to push the right buttons, but it's going to be hard for them to excel playing three-quarters or third-pair minutes. He said, Linda Lindblom still doesn't sit well with me, even though I know it was a business decision, but he was a character guy in this organization and city. And that you look, a lot of people have cited that, that they get rid of Oscar, they buy him out, they bring in, you know, they, they buy out a high-character guy at $3 million, and they bring in Tony D'Angelo, who's got some character issues. We addressed those issues with Tony on Wednesday's episode. If you missed that conversation, go back and check it out. Um, but he, uh, Anthony said, organizational philosophy aside, I'm more confused on Chuck's lack of any, uh, any sort. Lack of action, he said. He has to know he's on a hot seat. Anyone would be fighting for their job and going down swinging, but he doesn't seem to be fighting for his job from my distant perspective. Sorry for the scattered rant, and I know you probably have the same questions yourself. I, and I do have a lot of questions, and I'm looking forward to getting Chuck on to ask him some of those questions. And I, I look at it and go, with where they ended up, it may end up being the right place, but it's how they got here. And what was communicated to the fans and what took place seems to be a big rub for a lot of people because it's two different things. The term aggressive retool. There's elements of aggressive retool in there with Tony D'Angelo. But the ultimate aggressive retool would have been to grab another term that they used, which was, quote, high-end talent. And they didn't do that when it came to Johnny Gaudreau. Again, there's a tipping point, but they didn't do that. And when you look at the entire situation of what was accomplished this offseason, Chuck used a word in his press conference on Wednesday of this is a year of stabilization. And to me, and I, you guys have heard me say this quite a bit, do not get caught up in what general managers, pro sports teams say. Just don't do it. We've heard so many times general managers, presidents, give a GM or a coach, as as they call it, the dreaded vote of confidence to only terminate their employment days later. So don't get caught up in what they say. Get caught up in what they do. What they do is ultimately all that really matters. They say we're going to be aggressive, but aren't. All that matters is that they weren't. It doesn't matter that they said they were going to be. And look, I know a lot of people sometimes want them to communicate the plan of what they plan to do to the fan base. But no GM is going to honestly communicate what he's planning to do 
especially in specifics to the fan base. A lot of operating as a general manager or a constructor of a team is doing so in the shadows and not tipping your hand for a litany of reasons. You know, obviously one of them is just for negotiation power with other teams, with players, with agents, all of those things, so that you don't lose the requisite leverage to get the best you can for your team. But again, looking at what a team does, not what they say. But the term stabilization to me, I was always kind of looking for the term of what I thought this offseason should be. And stabilization is one of those things. And the one thing I really agreed with Chuck when in his press conference that he said is, we have to find out this year about certain players. Players like Morgan Frost. Players like Owen Tippett. Even though Tippett's only been here a short amount of time, we have to find out what Owen Tippett is. We have to find out what these players are going to be, not what they were drafted or what we think of their skill set or their upside, but we've got to find out what these players are as NHL players so you can properly move forward. And a year of stabilization I don't think is a bad thing. Again, I was hurt and upset that they didn't get Gaudreau because I got caught up in the, the hype of the situation. But the, a year of stabilization, as Bill and I have kind of talked about many times, is what I kind of thought they should do. But that's not what was communicated. And that's why I understand people's anger and why they're hurt and why they're angry at what took place. They feel like they were bait and switched in some ways. Even though the team never really defined what aggressive retool meant, people have their interpretation of that. And rightfully so. You're entitled to that. And right now, everybody does not feel good with what the Flyers accomplished or what they didn't accomplish in free agency. And so far this offseason, I think a lot of us like the draft, but we don't like what took place in free agency. And I want to kind of end this on this note. You know, as Flyer fans, we have been conditioned since basically the beginning of the franchise that whenever there is a high-end piece, a shiny toy, a good player, a very marketable and good hockey player that can help this team on and off the ice be available, we have always had this, and we've been conditioned that that's available, let's go get it. Because the Flyers did that for a really long time, sometimes to their detriment. Sometimes it was the right thing, sometimes it wasn't through different eras of Flyers hockey, the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and now into the 2020s, it's different. The salary cap has obviously made that more difficult. You have to be within the constraints of the salary cap. But we have been conditioned that shiny toy, let's go get it. It's different now. Johnny Gaudreau was out there. He is a damn good hockey player. He would have been extremely exciting and a great story this year. It didn't happen. The price, if it was a 2023 first-round pick, I think was exorbitant. But where this team has ended up may be the best place. We don't know that. We won't know that for some time. But we'll see how this develops. Flyer fans... 
do the best you can right now to keep your chin up. I understand your anger. I know people are hurt and angry. We'll see where this goes. I try and come on here and remove emotion from the equation and really calculate my feelings and hope to try and get them across to people. Again, I didn't plan anything to say in this episode other than Anthony's direct message, which I read. I just kind of wanted to talk from a flow of stream of consciousness standpoint and where I am and what I feel on it. And just like everybody else, I got caught up in it too. I got I wanted Gaudreau because I wanted the shiny toy that was in front of me. I wanted this season to be one that had a bona fide star player on it. Everybody have a great Friday. We'll talk to you Monday on a brand new Flyers Daily with Bill Meltzer on Monday's edition of Flyers Daily. Scott tissue that I wish you saw. Sock captain, Mr. Know it all. I close your eyes and I'll kiss you.